everyone. Welcome to Hong Kong Church's Combined Service. We're so glad that you're joining us today. We represent a collection of churches all dotted around Hong Kong, and it is really just a great show of unity, that though we are diverse in our uh, expressions uh, and even our convictions, that we would unite to be as one. I'm James. And I'm Jess. And we welcome you wherever you are in Hong Kong, whether you're in the New Territories, Kowloon, or Hong Kong Island. We acknowledge that during a time like this, there is one thing that is asked of the body of Christ, and that is to be together and to put our faith in the one who is in complete control, Jesus our Lord. And now we would encourage you to pull out your phone, thank God for it, and put it away. And now that God has your undivided attention, let us listen to the words of this psalm. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. This psalm was written at a time when there was low morale, and the psalm, the psalmist urges the people, as we are encouraged to now, to remind ourselves that we are in need of God, the creator God, who in generations past have proved himself faithful and has been the help and the hope to our previous generations. And so the invitation to us now, as we turn our hearts to worship God, is to entrust ourselves to God again, to hope in him, to declare that he is faithful in our lives, in our world. Let us worship.
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does, he does not, not deal with us according to our sin, nor repay us according to our iniquities, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. Bless the Lord in all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 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 Welcome Hong Kong. Welcome to our combined Hong Kong church service. Uh, I'm Sam, and uh, I get to lead you during this time of prayer that we all get to gather together. But we're gonna be praying in different languages. And so I have Pastor Peter be praying in Cantonese. Uh, Pastor Ruth will be praying in Tagalog, and Katie will be praying in Mandarin, and then I'll wrap up in English. And so please join us. Let's get out of our seats. Uh, let's really come together as a body, and let's really pray for God's purposes in our beloved city. Let's pray. 亲爱的天父,我们赞美你,你是创造天地和历史的主宰,亦都是治理全地和拯救我们的主。
今日我哋齐集各语言族裔众教会向你认罪，承认人嘅骄傲同埋罪恶。我哋奉主耶稣嘅名向你求怜悯同埋赦罪。这称为我名下嘅子民，若是谦卑自己，祷告，寻求我嘅面，转离佢哋嘅恶行，我必从天上垂听，赦免佢哋嘅罪，医治佢哋嘅地。求神指示喺全球蔓延嘅瘟疫，求你始终教会有合一嘅爱心同埋行动，引领当下喺困惑、惶恐同埋受苦嘅人得以感受你嘅爱，同埋明白你嘅真理。愿神怜悯我们，赐福给我们，使他嘅脸。向我们发光，好让全地得知你嘅道路，万国得知你嘅救恩。我哋同心纪念受呢一个新冠病毒感染嘅病患者，能早日康复；纪念痛失亲人、家庭得着神嘅安慰；纪念喺前线生死间抢救病人嘅医疗人员，求主保护佢哋，并俾佢哋各地嘅政府官员都能够通力合作，让不同国籍嘅科研人员能够尽快揾出。呢、这、一個疫苗叫呢個全球大流行嘅瘟疫早日平息，紀念喺疫情嚴重打擊嘅經濟下，社會各行業都出現失業潮或者係倒閉潮，求神憐憫啊！並賜各地嘅政府有智慧嘅去推出利民舒困嘅有效措施，教會亦都能夠適時關心同埋幫助喺經濟同埋心靈上有急需嘅家庭，求主讓呢一個瘟疫甦醒眾人嘅心，回歸你嘅私恩。座前得怜恤蒙恩惠，并求主帮助你嘅儿女们一同活出主耶稣嘅生命，领人归主，唯独你能够俾人类真正嘅平安同埋盼望。奉主耶稣基督圣名求，阿门。O makapangyarihan Dios na nagpapagaling na mga nasasaktan at pumapawi ng kalungkutan at nagbibigay ng galak, hayaan mo ang iyong biyaya. ay mapasa amin lalo na sa gitna ng pandemic na COVID-19. Alalahanin mo po ngayong araw na ito ang mga nahihirapan, ang mga walang tirahan, ang mga refugees, mga overseas workers, mga katulong at mga nakakulong, mga nakaligtaan, mahabag ka sa mga naaapi. Sa mga inuusig na walang kasalanan, makatanggap na wasila ng hustisya, at huwag silang manghina at hindi magtatanim ng sama ng loob. Bigyan mo po ng kagalakan ang mga nawawalan ng pag-asa at sa mga nalulungkot. Tulungan mo po ang mga natutuksong gumawa ng kasalanan dahil sa kahirapan kundi ikaw ang gawin nilang kanlungan at pag-asa. Panginoon, hinihiling po namin na saan ay pakainin mo ang may sakit at walang maisuot. Tulungan mo po kaming sumunod sa iyong hiling at mamuhay na isang kinatawan mo. Baguhin mo ang aming mga puso na mga laga sa mga nangailangan. Tulungan mo silang makita ang masigit na buhay na pag-asa at kagalakan sa iyo. Sa pangalan ni Jesus, ito po ang aming dalangin. Amen. Abafu. 我们怀着谦卑和敬畏的心来到您的面前，把我们所在的处境交在您的手里。我们感谢您是那位寻求迷失的羊的好牧人，您不愿意撇下我们中的任何一个。您身为那唯一的充满圣洁和公义的真神来到我们中间，乃是为了挽救没有公义的我们。您没有因为我们的罪而拒绝我们。您那充满爱的双手，为您的门徒清洗他们污秽的脚。您用您无价的爱，软化了我们刚硬的心。您对您迷失的孩子，张开了欢迎的手臂，拥抱了我们。您用您的恩典，带领我们悔改认罪。您用十架的奉献，把我们召回到您里面。我们的城市。在过去的多月，经历了很多动荡，在城市的不同角落，我们看到了暴力和痛苦。我们中间的分裂让我们心碎。我们来到您的面前，谦卑的祈求，求您降临到我们的城市，降临到我们的生活里，把您的道和样式充满我们里面。
帮助我们学习主耶稣的榜样，把主的爱带到我们的生命里，带到我们生命周边的人的生活里。主啊，也求您让您的圣灵，让我们的心被感动，让我们主动的把我们的爱递到我们不喜爱的人的中间。求您帮助像主耶稣那样教会我们如何。去把和我们不同的人聚拢在一起。求您用您大能的爱，让我们学会在您的里面三位一体的合一，让我们在您的灵里面，在您的弟兄姐妹中间，都能够凭着合一的心来到您面前。求您的爱拯救我们的城市。天父，求您倾听。我们的祷告，奉主耶稣的名求，阿门。Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are making us one every day. We thank you that you're watching over us here in Hong Kong, even in the midst of all the distractions and all the difficulties. We thank you that you are still God and you are Lord over us. And we ask right now, God, that you would move on our behalf. We pray, Lord God, that the churches would continue to be united, even though we're practicing physical distancing, God. That we will not practice social distancing. We would still reach out to our community. We would still love the lost. Really use this time, God, to bring the church into the place that you want it to be. And Father, we pray, pray especially, God, that you would send revival to us. But we know that revival starts in our heart, God. And so, would you move and transform deep inside of us, Lord, that we may be the agents of change and transformation that you desire in our city. And so, come, Lord God, and have mercy on us, God, and use us to lead the Church of Jesus Christ in Hong Kong into your presence, Lord. And so, come, Holy Spirit, and breathe over us and breathe over our city, God. Lord, we come, God, and we ask you to move on our behalf, Lord. God, we thank you. We love you so much, God. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, "Amen." Today's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing, when He predicted the sufferings of the Messiah. And the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Consider the role of hope in our lives. Think of little Jimmy. Off to his first day at school, already looking forward to meeting little Jane in the playground. Add ten years, and, and one side or the other is hoping to be asked out on a date, hoping their skin will clear up, hoping to achieve certain grades, hoping to get a spot on the sporting team or land a part in the school production, hoping to get into the right university, hoping for career success, to make a contribution, to to make a difference in life. 
If marriage comes along, hoping it will last. If kids arrive, hoping that they will grow up functional and healthy. When the first serious illnesses come, hoping that they will get through it. Our lives are filled with hope. Hope gives us a sense of direction. It dictates how we live in the present, how we spend our time and our money, which jobs we take, what, what, what we plan for the future. What do you do if some of those things that you hope for are threatened? It could be something particular to your situation, a job loss, an illness, a relationship breakdown, or it could be something more general that casts a shadow over everyone, protests or, or pandemics. Normally, people respond to threats in one of two ways, distraction or distress. You get distracted. You turn off the news and turn on Netflix. You, you get absorbed in work or plan the next holiday or, or avoid those deeper conversations with people. Anything to stop thinking about the threats to you. Or you get distressed. Yes, we should weep with those who weep, but there is a sense in which we start to feel every threat every insecurity, every attack, every injustice. And we live in this constant state of tension, waiting for the next threat to come. Now, that first option doesn't treat life seriously. And the second option is not sustainable. And so maybe you begin to question, where can I get a hope that can't be taken away? Where can I have a hope that will face anything? In the reading that we just heard, the Apostle Peter says something incredible. He says, in his great mercy, God has given us a new birth into a living hope. Peter is speaking about the Christian hope, something which transcends both distraction and despair, which lifts our eyes from the horizon of this present world and connects us with the gift that God offers, which cannot be taken away. And so as we look at this passage, we'll see two things. What is this hope and how does it work in our lives? Peter speaks about this hope in verses three to five, and he tells us two things about it. He says, first of all, that this hope is sure. Verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, we normally think that hope is something that is uncertain. We desire it, but we don't know if it's going to come. I hope I get that job. I, I hope that it doesn't rain tomorrow. But Peter looks at Christian hope as being something different. It's not something that is uncertain, but it is something that is certain because of what has happened in the past. For, for Peter, Jesus' resurrection is a life-changing event. When Jesus died, hope was lost. For Peter, he would have been thinking, how could God bring anything good out of this situation? He was just left with bitter sorrows and denial. But Jesus didn't stay dead. On that Easter Sunday morning, the tomb was empty and Jesus appeared to Peter and hope was reborn. The resurrection means more than simply the restoration of Jesus. The resurrection means that God has made the crucified Jesus, both Lord and Christ. He now rules, he controls everything. If Jesus has the power to rise from the dead, then he has power over your death. When your earthly days come to an end, something so extraordinary will come to pass that a great change will happen and you'll pass through death into eternal life. Peter's hope, the hope that the Bible speaks about, is something that is certain. It's a sure hope for the future because of what has happened in the past, Jesus' resurrection. So this hope is sure, but secondly, it is lasting. Verse four, the object of this hope is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In the Old Testament, God gave the people of Israel uh, an inheritance of land. Every tribe was given an allocation of land with the promise of a lasting ownership. Whilst they were wandering around in the wilderness, it was this promise of an inheritance that they held on to. But the inheritance that Peter is speaking about is heaven. But you notice what he says about it. 
It can never perish, spoil or fade. Everything, everything that you can ever have or own, everything that you can ever inherit from your family, everything that you can ever make, everything has a use-by date. Everything wears away or fades. Everything can be taken away or destroyed. Nothing lasts except for this. This promise of an eternal inheritance that comes to those who trust in Jesus. Now, this inheritance is our home. It's where we belong, but we're not there yet. It's being kept for you. It's ready. This salvation doesn't need a few final touches to make it better. It's not like we're consultants who are brought in to have a hand in its design. No, it's there. It's a finished salvation. It's perfect and complete and unchangeable, just like God. Do you see what this Christian hope is? It's a life-shaping, joyful certainty in something that has been promised to you. And it is absolutely vital. Why? Well, look at who Peter is writing to. In verse 6, he says they're suffering through all sorts of trials. Here are people who are experiencing all sorts of difficulties because of their faith in Jesus, the loss of their reputation and homes, their, their health and freedoms, even their very lives. Many years ago, I read this book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's by Viktor Frankl, who was a psychiatrist. He was also Jewish and a survivor of Auschwitz. In one part, he says this, the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future, was doomed. He let himself decline and become subject to mental and physical decay. Usually this happened quite suddenly in the form of a crisis, the symptoms of which were familiar to the experienced camp inmate. Usually it began with the prisoner refusing one morning to get dressed and wash or to go out in the parade grounds. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. He just lay there hardly moving. If this crisis was brought about by an illness, he refused to be taken into the sick bay or to do anything to help himself. He simply gave up. There he remained, lying in his own excreta, and nothing bothered him anymore. Hope is absolutely necessary for life. And Frankel talked about the different things that those campmates put their hope in. And what he said was vital. He said that many people held on to the hope that if they stayed alive during that time, then their health, their family, their jobs, or their position in society would be restored to them. That if they could just stay alive, everything would go back to normal. It'd be like they'd just woken out, out of a dream and things would be okay. But after the war and liberation, many of them found things to be very different. Perhaps some of their old situation had come back to them, but it didn't compensate for what they had suffered. They couldn't get over the grief and injustice, and many of them slipped into a depression. Some of them even took their own lives. But Frankel observed that a few remained buoyant, not happy, but they could handle things. So what was the difference? Well, it was if people held on to something that couldn't be taken away from them in this life. When a new prisoner came into the camp, Frankel would counsel them saying, someone from heaven is looking down from you. And he'd speak to them about a friend or a spouse or, or, or God. And he'd say, you, you don't want to disappoint them. That's what he figured out. He said that anything finite in this life can be taken away from you. Anything can be taken away. It's subject to decay, it can be broken. It doesn't last. It's here one moment, gone the next. Even the good things, your family, your health, your achievements, here one moment, gone the next. And I think sometimes you and I forget this. Consider Steve. Steve is a Christian. He turns up to church, not just a few times a month. He, he comes every week. Steve believes in the Bible. He reads it all the time. He believes what the Bible says about God and, and what the Bible says about the human condition. He, he says the Bible is the most satisfying explanation for the meaning in life. And Steve is a, is a moral guy. His friends quietly admire how he treats other people, his integrity in the workplace and his honesty. But Steve is deeply secular. 
He believes that he's going to wake up in his bed the next morning. That word secular comes from the Latin word seculum, which means this life. Everything that we need to find out meaning and purpose comes from this life. Steve believes in God, but the reality is his hopes are in this life. His ambitions and plans, how he conducts himself, are all about this life. Steve believes in heaven, but it's just that he doesn't think about it very much. Uh, His ambitions and actions are all about this life and not the next. And there is a possibility that you and I can be very much like Steve. We say we follow Jesus, but our hopes are fixed in this life and not the next. A kind of spiritual myopia sets in, a a, a short-sightedness where all that we can see, all that we hope for is that which is just right in front of us. We forget about the future that God is calling us to, all the things that are happening in 10,000 years from now. And so when something comes along that threatens or even takes away what you hope for in this life, you find it incredibly hard to get over it. You lose your calm and your peace because you've lost hold of the hope that Peter is speaking about. This life-shaping, joyful certainty in something that has been promised to you. That's the Christian hope. So how does it work in your life? Well, firstly, it gives you joy through suffering. Notice verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Did you see the paradox there? Peter doesn't say you're rejoicing, even though beforehand you suffered all kinds of grief. No, he's saying both are happening somehow at the same time. You're rejoicing now, you have joy, even though right now you're experiencing these trials. How is that possible? How is it possible to be in a situation where you experience not just the difficulties that are, that are common to everyday life, but also the hardships that are particular to be a Christian? And yet, these things do not drag you down and make you bitter, hating life and the people who cause this difficulty for you. Instead, you have this inner poise, this calm, this confidence, a joy that cannot be taken away despite circumstances. Well, it's possible in part because of what Peter says next in verse 7. These things have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter uses this illustration. What happens when you put gold in fire? The gold isn't destroyed, it's purified and refined, it becomes more beautiful. And Peter says the same thing that is happening to us. Suffering proves the genuineness of our faith. It refines us, making us even more beautiful. Look, what do you think is the best thing that you can do in life? Doesn't Jesus say it's to learn to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself? It's to forget yourself. Once we learn that, we're we're more the people that God wants us to be. But what do you think would stop us getting there? Isn't it the obsession with self, with with getting what we want all the time, with, with building our own little kingdoms? Now, if God were going to help us to be who we're supposed to be, to to, to get rid of this self-obsession, how would he go about that? Wouldn't he threaten or even take away those things that we love more than him? Through, Through the difficulties or traumas in life, he'd be reminding us that he alone is all that we could ever want or need. He alone is everlasting. Now, because God is both loving and sovereign, our suffering has meaning. We may not be always able to see it, but we can trust God even though we don't understand it all. If your hope is based on getting particular circumstances, then when suffering comes along, you're devastated. But if your hope is not based on these particular circumstances, but based in God then you have a joy that cannot be taken away. But there, 
is that paradox. Yes, there is the pain, the difficulties of going through life, but also you have this indescribable joy because you're learning that in him you have everything that you could ever want. But you're also learning that through suffering you're being refined like gold. You're becoming more and more the person that God wants you to be. You're becoming something far more beautiful. So this hope brings you joy through suffering, but secondly, it brings you assurance through uncertainty. From verse 10, Peter speaks about how the Old Testament prophets pointed forward towards Jesus. He says, they spoke of the grace that was to come to you and searched intently and with great care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. In other words, the prophets couldn't see everything that God was going to do. They searched intently. They were trying to figure things out. There were some things to them which were uncertain. But there was one thing that was certain. Verse 11, the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. That was the pattern. Sufferings first and then glories to come. Do you see our privilege we know far more than the prophets. We're on this side of the cross. We, we can see how Jesus fulfilled everything that they predicted. But more than that, we can see the extent of God's love for us that he gave his son to take on our own brokenness and sin through his suffering on our behalf. And therefore, we, we have this incredible assurance that regardless of the circumstances that come in life, what God has promised, he will deliver. Look, when you go through difficult times or something traumatic happens, sometimes you get a sense of uncertainty and you say, why is this happening? Have I, have I done something wrong? Is God angry with me? Has God, has God left me? You do this because somewhere in your heart, you still think, if I live a good life, good things should happen to me. I shouldn't suffer. But when suffering comes along, you begin to question God, his love and his purposes for you. But that's not the Christian hope because you've forgotten somebody. There is only one person who ever lived the perfect life, and yet he was a man of sorrows. He was rejected and betrayed, tortured and crucified. He suffered, and yet he went into glory. That was the pattern that the prophets saw about the Messiah, and that pattern still applies. Suffering now, glory to come. That's the hope that Peter says. It's a hope that is being kept for you. And so we can have this incredible assurance of God's love that despite the circumstances of life, what God has promised, he will deliver. This is the Christian hope. A hope that does not distance us from the pain of this world, nor does it distract us from the injustices that we see. It's a hope that reminds us of God's faithfulness in the past. It shapes our present and it focuses our mind and our hearts towards the glory to come. Adoniram Judson was one of the first missionaries to Burma. He planted churches, translated the Bible, but he suffered incredibly, spending long times in prison. And during a particular difficult time, he wrote this. I do not believe I'm going to die yet. Oh, I feel as though I've only just been prepared for usefulness. It's not that I shrink from death that I wish to live. Neither is it the ties that bind me here, though some of them are very sweet. They do not bear any comparison with the drawings I feel towards heaven. But a few years will not be missed from my eternity of bliss, and I can well afford to spare them for the sake of the poor Burmans. I'm not tired of my work, neither am I tired of the world. Yet when Christ calls me home, I shall go with all the gladness of a boy bounding away from his school. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for this sure and certain hope that you've given us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And we ask for, for your forgiveness for all the ways in which we put our hopes in the things of this world above and beyond you. Lord, help us to enthrone Jesus in our lives, 
to live for him and serve him because he has done everything for us. We ask for your help by your spirit. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So church, we're going to do um, a bit of a new song. The song's called The Blessing. And the reason that we chose to sing this song is um, it echoes a prayer that's found in scripture. And the highlights of this prayer is not just that God will bless you, but that he'll be for you, that he'll be with you. Um, And I think for all of us in the season that we're in now, it's a great reminder to know that wherever we go, however difficult it gets, he doesn't doesn't run off, but he stays with us. He goes before us, in fact. Um, He is with us. He is behind us. He is all around us. And having that presence with us means all things can be possible. Uh, So I pray that this song blesses you. Uh, I pray that this song allows you to remember a God who is with you. And I pray that it brings courage and hope back into your life.
so that concludes our service today. Wherever you find yourself, I hope that you have been blessed. Uh, from all of the churches here in Hong Kong who have combined their efforts, have linked their arms together to provide for you a unified uh, service that ministers deeply to your soul and reminds you of the strength and the confidence that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. In many church traditions, uh, churches close with what is called a benediction. Not all churches do this, but that word benediction simply means good words. So let me leave you today with these good words found in the book of Jude in the New Testament. Verse 24 says this, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.